Welcome to my podcast, A Thousand Thoughts About Power, Place, and Identity. This week's episode is going to be about power and specifically what it has to do with where we are right now as a country. Um, obviously, in America, we've seen over the past two weeks national outrage and outcry. We've seen nationwide protests all over the country in cities from Los Angeles to New York. It's been um, just it's dominated the minds of Americans and even people in other countries and it's completely changed what the focus of our discussion has been over the past two weeks. Uh, For context, the protests were in response directly to the death of George Floyd who was killed by a police officer that knelt on his neck for nine minutes, killing him. And uh, the protests were largely an outrage that something like this could happen and the officers responsible would not be immediately charged. It was a very hard video to watch and a lot of people felt that pain and took to the streets rightfully angry and upset and wondering why does this have to keep happening in America? Why do we continue to see this? We need change, we need reform, we need it now. And for me, watching all of this unfold, I think what it's made me do is kind of reflect back on everything that I've learned and everything that I know about racial injustice and struggle in America. Things that I've read over the past year or so and things that, I, I've, just, that I've seen um, my entire life. And for me, two things, two texts come to mind most immediately, and they're both by the same author, Tanahisi Coates. The Case for Reparations and Between the World and Me is, uh, it's an open letter style book to Coates' son about his experiences as an African American in America. And there's a motif that he repeats throughout the book, the destruction of the black body. And in the book, he talks candidly to his son about how in America, um, from its inception, there have been systems in place, implicitly or explicitly, that have taken away from the power of the black body, and the black body being um, the African-American individual in this case. And he, this idea of taking away from the power of the black body is sort of, he expands on it and zooms out a lot, actually, in the case for reparations, when he talks about how in America we've seen from from slavery to Jim Crow to um, mass incarceration, there to to redlining, there have just been issues that have in one way, or like um, problems that have in one way or another taken away from the power of African-Americans in um, with police brutality and racial violence it takes away from the power of the body and your um, um, and the power to be in control of yourself when you're the victim of violence or brutality then someone else is in control of you and they're harming you in um, Jim Crow it's the power of the voice your power to express your opinions is being taken away because you fear that you're going to be um, 
lynched or you're going to be attacked or if you're or you're going to be framed for a crime you didn't commit and not get your not get a fair day in court or you won't be able to vote because literacy tests will stop you or it's the power of um, the power to be educated and to learn and know in order to affect change just things that have existed in America for decades that have taken away from the power of the black body and the power that African Americans that we have to um, to affect change and to stand for ourselves in this country and obviously those are examples that are in um, the 20th century and those are examples that are not as recent and we've come a long way in the country from the times of the Jim Crow era but when we see things like this happening where um, things like African Americans and minorities being brutal, being victims of brutality at the hands of the police and um, the justice system not doing its part to make sure that these people are held accountable and when you see this pattern like keep repeating itself it sort of makes you it made me wonder like how how much can we say we've grown from that time period because those systems those institutions are gone but the effects that they have still they still last we i think have to have and are having a larger conversation about what the effects of the past are on the now because a lot of people have come to recognize and that's why we're seeing all these people on the streets they've come to recognize that these issues that we have seen for years and years and years and I was um, talking about this with my family um, as we were watching the news a couple nights ago that people in this country are upset because th this has been there have been things that we have seen time and time again that sort of make you question how 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 much we've how far we've gone that make you question the integrity of our strength as a nation and i i heard someone on the news put it best they said that people are upset because we haven't formally addressed the fundamental sins of the nation and i think that that is a very concise but exact way to put it. There are things that existed in the past that don't exist anymore but that still have their effect on us. When we see the justice system continuing to fail us, that's because at one point it was explicitly meant not to be helpful for African Americans and for blacks and for minorities. It's that history that hasn't completely gone away and that shows itself more implicitly now that has everyone saying well then our work isn't done yet we've still got change to affect this situation also reminds me of a story i read in a book called blink by malcolm gladwell 
Uh, it's the story of Amadou Diallo. Uh, he was um, killed by the police in a um, not it wasn't really a shootout because he was unarmed, but he was killed by the police. And um, <clears throat> I had never heard his story before reading this book, but um, the book is essentially about how the uh, implicit biases that we have affect the way we carry out our actions. And this story was um, <clears throat> basically analyzing the thought process of each of the parties as the interaction went down. Um, Amadou Diallo approached by plainclothes officers in a neighborhood that isn't the safest is um, he's frightened so he runs but the police officers suspecting him to be uh, a criminal and um, mistaking him for someone who they were looking for and seeing him run away thought oh this, this is sort of an admission of not an admission of guilt but it's sort of a cause of concern so they chase after him and um, a chase ensues and the way it ends is he goes for his wallet to show his identity but they mistake it for a weapon and they fire on him and he dies and it's a very sad story to watch to not to watch to read because it, it it's when when you break it down like that it's real it was really just a matter of perception and the biases that they had explicit or not led to the outcome that we saw there and as i was reading it i couldn't help but think how many times has this situation repeated itself in all the stories that we've seen on the news and read in the papers and with things like this if we don't change the implicit biases that we have and the implicit effects of the institutions that and uh, systems that exist in America, then we can't really move on. And that's what I think the largest scope of this protest is. It's, yes, about the brutality of and the murder of someone who didn't deserve it. But the larger picture is how are we going to fix the issues that we have seen time and time again in this nation? And I think that this widespread, um, this widespread movement of wanting to affect change is, it's part of the reason why I think it's so inspiring because a lot of people are now saying, well, we, we need to look honestly and see that there's an issue and that um, there's a history that we still need to correct before we can move forward.